our new bestie has changed how we track our investments. Why have over 400,000 investors chosen ShareSite? It's simple. This online investment dashboard for your investment portfolio supports over 500,000 stocks, ETFs, and funds, plus integrated with more than 200 platforms, ensures your entire investment portfolio is organized and accessible in one place. Move beyond the limited insights from brokerage statements. ShareSite offers a comprehensive view of your financial performance, including analyzed reports, dividend gains, and the impact of currency fluctuations, all through intuitive graphs and visualizations. But here's the best part. For the investee besties out there, ShareSite is offering a special deal. Save four months when you purchase an annual premium plan. It's time to dive deep into performance metrics, streamline tax reporting, and share your portfolio with ease. Join the link in the episode description to sign up to ShareSite now and transform your investment experience. Welcome to Girls That Invest. You're joined by your hosts, Sim and Sonia, two millennial investors who are here to help you learn about all things investing and personal finance. Today on the show, we've got a very special guest, Erin Marathi from ShareZ. So we'll just get straight into the questions, Erin. Welcome to Girls That Invest. We are so happy to have you here and very honoured. For those listening at home, Erin is the head of finance at ShareZ, which is a pretty cool title. Thanks. I'm stoked to be here and stoked that you think it's a cool title as well. I think so. <laughs> Would you not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of vague, to be honest. So head of finance could mean a whole bunch of different things. And I, I quite like that about it. It adds a bit of mystery to the role. I, I can definitely see that. So do you mind giving us a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today? And yeah, just tell us about Erin. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. Maybe I could start with, I guess, telling you how I got into finance. And it's sort of a long story, and I think it, the story actually probably makes me sound a little bit more impulsive than I really am. <laughs> so actually, when I was growing up, I always really wanted to be a doctor. I always thought that that was like my dream career, and it was something that I was really motivated to work towards, and I was you know, obsessively watching like Grey's Anatomy and ER and stuff to get a feel for what being a doctor might be like in real life. I changed my mind a wee bit when I was in year 12 at high school. I actually met my partner, Johnny, when I was in high school. And he was a year ahead of me at school, which meant that he went to university the year before me. And he ended up going to university in Wellington. And there is no medical school in Wellington, which meant that if I wanted to live in the same city as him, I might have to reconsider my career choices and think about studying something else. And that's kind of when I started thinking about whether getting a career in finance might be an option for me. And I had studied accounting and economics at high school and I had really loved it and done pretty well in those subjects. So I thought that it could be a good career for me and something that I might do well in. So I started to look into it a little bit more and settled on the idea of doing a Bachelor of Commerce in Wellington and moving to the same city as Johnny as well. So that could have been a really terrible decision, changing my career choices for a boy, but (laughs) it's uh, all worked out pretty well so far. I've got this great career in finance, which I absolutely love and really enjoy doing. And Johnny and I are still together as well, so that worked out too. But that was, yeah, that was kind of my first step towards a, a career in finance. And yeah, it was a little bit of a funny way of getting there and not necessarily fully planned, but sometimes things work out that way. Oh, that's amazing. So when it came to deciding to go into finance, um, you said you took it in high school. Did you find 
that it was quite easy to grasp at the time or like the way that it was taught in high school did you kind of find it to be different to what you're expecting yeah I remember I remember definitely enjoying it in high school but I also remember it being a lot about rote learning like definitions and stuff especially in accounting I remember that we all made flashcards and we would all be remembering the definitions of, you know, what an asset is or what a liability is. That's an interesting way of learning. I'm not sure that that was overly helpful, really helped me to understand what accounting was in reality. It definitely helped me to be able to memorize the definition of uh, an asset off the top of my head, which I couldn't tell you now. But I did really enjoy learning about the concepts. And I think it was because economics in particular, you can see playing out in real life day to day, especially in the news. So when you started reading business news, it felt a little bit more real to you because you'd talked about those concepts in your economics classes at high school. So I loved that fact that I could kind of link what I was learning at school to what I was seeing in the news, which wasn't something that I felt necessarily when I was in, say, a chemistry or a biology class. I wasn't necessarily reading about that so often in the news. So it felt a little bit less interesting or a little bit less real to me. So fast forward a little bit, you've graduated uni, you're at the start of your career. Do you remember what it felt like being a young woman entering this industry? Yeah, I think I was pretty lucky with my experience. I started my first job in finance at Deloitte, which is one of the big four accounting firms. And the way that you generally start at a firm like that is you start as a graduate. And you start with a year group of graduates who are all kind of the same age as you. And that sort of provides you with this instant like support network. And my grad year was a like pretty much a 50-50 mix of males and females as well. So being a female in finance at that time didn't seem like anything unusual. There were, you know, plenty of familiar faces around me as well. And a whole bunch of people that I could lean on for support if I was feeling uncomfortable as well. And I know that that's not necessarily typical. And I know that there definitely are sort of issues with being a female in finance, especially when you look at like the gender pay gap data. CANS or Chartered Accountants of Australia and New Zealand released some data earlier this year and it said that there's a $60,000 gender pay gap for accountants in New Zealand, which just completely blows my mind. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. So you hear data points like that and I think It gives you an idea that there probably are some kind of sort of structural issues in finance, but I think I've been lucky so far to work for companies where I haven't really experienced the full force of that, which is great. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know what we could do to sort of sort that situation out in the wider industry. The fact that it's $60,000 as a difference in pay, like that's someone's entire salary. I know. It almost seems so large that it must be wrong, but... Even if the number, the real number is something smaller than that, I think it still tells you that there is a big gap between males and females. And I'm really not sure what the drivers are. I think the study looks into it a little bit and they say that women taking career breaks to raise children often has a big impact on their earning power over time. And it means that maybe they're not considered for the senior roles that males are. But all of that feels like things that can be solved over time. So looking forward to seeing what we can do to make it better. That's amazing. And so we have a lot of followers who ask questions like, you know, they want to get into finance, they want to get into maybe a role that you have been in, but they do feel like there is that possibility of being judged as a young woman coming into the financial space. But from your experience, at least, which I know is not everyone's experience, of course, it wasn't actually that bad. Do you think that 
we perhaps scare ourselves a little bit more than we need to be? Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. But I also know that it can feel intimidating getting into a space that seems like it's quite, you know, male dominant. And there absolutely will be times where in the finance industry, you're kind of the only female in the room. And you might be in a meeting and just surrounded by men who are older than you and who you feel are more experienced than you and who you can be quite intimidated by. And that definitely can feel scary. But I think it's also super important that we just back ourselves and acknowledge that as females, we do bring a different perspective and that perspective is really important to hear and should be heard. So it's important that we're in the room. Yeah, and I think that should be really encouraging. I think that should be a reason that we want to get involved in the finance industry so that we can be part of those conversations and can bring our views. Because if we're heard, then I think that sort of changes the way things operate and improves things longer term. So I kind of try and think of it as more of a motivator than a reason to be scared to join, but also totally acknowledge that it can feel pretty intimidating when you're getting started. That is such a beautiful way of looking at it, you know, seeing it as more of a reason to be at the table as opposed to being scared to be there. That's quite nice. I think that's um, definitely something we can all take away from. Now, when it came to your investing journey, when would you say that you started looking into investments? You know, now that you are a little bit older, I'm sure your experience is a little bit different to when you were younger and you began, but Do you mind just breaking that down for us? Yeah. I remember that I was always definitely a good saver when I was younger and I didn't know a lot about investing and I I don't think investing was really accessible to me when I was sort of at high school or university. But my first memory of trying to make my money work harder for me was when I had a savings account and I built up a nice healthy little balance and I remember switching banks so I could access an interest rate on that savings account that was higher than my current bank offered. And I think that interest rate was something like 8.2%, which feels insane now when it's like (laughs) you're lucky to get 1% or something on a short-term kind of deposit. But I guess that's how things were going at the time. So that's kind of, yeah, that's my first memory of trying to make my money work harder for me. And then the first investment that I ever had was actually in TradeMe. So I worked at TradeMe, which is a tech company in Wellington, um, while I was at university. And Trade Me actually IPO'd while I was working there. And they gave all the staff members some shares in the company. And I was lucky enough to get some at that time. But it definitely didn't feel like a real investment to me because it was just given to me. And I actually didn't know how to like access it or view it or sell it if I wanted to sell it. So it was kind of this thing that I knew that I owned, but I didn't really feel empowered to sort of do anything with. And it was good in a way because it meant that I held on to it. And then when Trade Me was eventually sold to a private equity firm a couple of years ago, I just got paid out for that investment. So that was a good way of holding on to it and allowing it to grow over time, but it didn't necessarily make me feel like an investor. And then I think the first time that I really felt like an investor was actually when Sheezy's was launched and I signed up to the beta trial. And that was the first time that I started sort of actively investing and At that time, I was investing in some ETFs that they offered, and I've held on to those since then as well, so I still hold those same investments. But that was, yeah, that was definitely what kick-started my real investing journey and definitely the point where I started to feel like an investor, started to feel like I was making sort of conscious decisions around where I was putting my money. Do you remember your very first ETF or like the first stock that you decided to invest in? I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it was some kind of like US top 500 companies or something like that that I got involved in first. And then the first company that I invested in, 
I don't know if I can really remember that either. I think it was more me just playing around and investing in something that seemed kind of interesting and a tiny amount of money as well. And that's usually what I what I do with my investing. I regularly invest in ETFs using an auto invest with sharesies. And then I sort of just play around the edges with companies that I think look interesting, but don't chuck heaps of money at them because I don't necessarily trust myself to make great decisions there. For business owners, every transaction is more than just a swipe of the card. It's the culmination of your hard work, dedication and commitment to your customers. That's why I'm excited to share with you a game-changing solution that's simplifying the way businesses like yours accept payments. Introducing Tap to Pay on iPhone, powered by Stripe. Contactless payments has never been easier. You can seamlessly accept contactless payments directly from your iPhone and the best part, there's no additional hardware required. Think about it, from local pop-ups to global retailers, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe cater to businesses of all sizes, empowering them to accept payments right from their iPhones. It's a game changer for businesses looking to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup that takes minutes, not days. So how can tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe benefit your business? It's simple, increased revenue, expanded reach and enhanced customer experience. It's a win-win-win. To learn more about how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can transform your business, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone today. Well, that leads us to our next question. What do you invest in currently and what would you say your portfolio looks like in terms of stocks or bonds? I guess when I think about my investments as a whole, the bulk of my investments are really probably in property. So I was super lucky to be able to buy my first house quite a few years ago now in like 2015. That was lucky because obviously house prices have gone up so much since then and it was helpful for me because it helped me to build a lot of equity in my first home and that allowed me to buy my next house this year and I've been able to hold on to my first house so I now have that as a rental too. So that means I have some big investments in property and also like a massive mortgage to back that up as well. But outside of property, I also hold investments in Sharesies, the company. So as an employee at Sharesies, we get part of our total REM package each year paid in basically like shares in the company. So that slowly builds up over time. And then also as employees, we get the opportunity to participate in capital raises that Sharesies does. So each time they raise more money as an employee, we're able to buy some more shares in Sharesies, the company as well, which I've been doing over the last year or so. So that would be my next biggest investment. And then after that, like most New Zealanders, I have my KiwiSaver account, which is slowly ticking up over time. And that's invested in a growth fund. And then finally, I have my Shizzy's portfolio. And every week I put some money into some global ETFs and then just a little bit of money into companies as well that I'm interested in. Erin, would you say you get to like speak about what you invest in a lot with your friends and family or all work colleagues or would you say this is probably the first time you've like listed out everything that you invest in? That's such a funny question. Yeah, I don't think I've ever listed out everything that I invest in before. <laughs> but because I have a lot of friends in finance because I've gone to university with them or worked with them in the past, it probably means that we talk about investing more than we might if I had sort of friends that didn't work in finance. And I guess an example of that is that a few of my friends and I also have a little club where we invest in cryptocurrency 
and we all kind of put a little bit of money in each week and then it gets invested into some crypto. I love that. It's cool, eh? And I think it exists because we all don't necessarily know too much about crypto and it's quite hard to access and stuff. So it's easier if we do it as a group and it kind of gives us a little bit more confidence to do it. But it's super cool. Every month someone makes a recommendation into the crypto that we think we should invest in that month and then we make the purchase. We have a little spreadsheet that tracks how we're going and we all check in on it. So it's been really cool and I've learned heaps through it. I've come from knowing basically nothing about crypto to a tiny bit about crypto. So I'm on that learning curve at the moment. But it's been a pretty fun thing to do together and yeah, it gives you something to talk about, I guess, as well. That is so nice. Do you like meet over brunch and it's like brunch and crypto Sundays or? Oh, that sounds amazing. But sort of though, actually, the idea for this crypto club came about when we were all on like a little beach holiday together in the Hawke's Bay. So that's where it started. And the intention is that every year we go and do that same beach holiday together and we check in on our crypto club progress. And then hopefully in a few years time, that crypto club is paying for all of our holidays and maybe they're like overseas in Europe or something instead of Hawke's Bay. Oh my God, that is amazing. Sonia, we have to get on on that as well. I was just going to say, is that us? Do it. I recommend it. (laughs) Oh, that's so great. I think what we have always wanted to like have more happening within conversations between friends is the idea that we can feel comfortable to be like, hey, should we learn a bit about cryptocurrency, for example? Because money among women, at least in our experience, is so taboo, let alone, hey, let's invest together or hey, let's learn about investing together. Do you find that it just comes naturally to your group because you're all quite open about it or because you like work in finance? Possibly. I think there's still probably a bit of a taboo associated with money. I think between my friends and I, we're all pretty open about the fact that we're not always great with money as well that sometimes we spend money when we shouldn't be or we have a bit of lifestyle creep and we're like buying the expensive fancy cheese where maybe we should just be buying the tasty cheese this month you know and I think my friends and I are all pretty happy to admit to that and I think that maybe makes money conversations easier knowing that you're all on the same page and no one's perfect and no one fully has it under control and no one absolutely knows what the best thing is to do with their money at all times So I think that's helpful, just being honest is a really good start. And that kind of opens up conversations from there. And it can be scary because some people are definitely sensitive about it and fair enough as well. It's quite a personal thing. I think it is helpful for everyone when you talk more about it because you can all learn from each other. Yeah, I feel like the great thing is it seems like you guys have created a safe environment so you can openly learn. What would you, if you did have to give advice to young women who want to start talking about these kind of things in their own circles or in their own friend groups, do you have any tips on how to do that? Yeah, I think um, getting comfortable yourself with talking about money first is probably a good place to start before you open up those conversations with other people. And I think a good way to start getting a little bit more confidence around money and investing is really by just taking a step towards educating yourself. And that doesn't have to mean anything crazy like reading investing books or anything like that. I think just reading the news, like the business news, is a great place to start and seeing what's going on with companies. Um, And then also listening to podcasts like this one is a really great place to start. There's just so much out there now. I feel like it's such a growing area where there's heaps of content that you can get amongst and It's not intimidating and it's not scary. It's interesting. And that feels like a really good place to start for me because not only does it help you to learn, but it sort of sparks that interest in you to educate yourself further as well. So once you feel confident with 
this stuff yourself, then I think those conversations with your friends or with your family just naturally flow out of that. And if someone was listening and they were like, I just want to be here and when I grow up, what sort of advice would you have in terms of joining the financial world, becoming, you know, someone in the role that you're in? Oh, I don't know that anyone will want to be me, but if they did by some crazy chance, I guess the advice really is just to get started and to not be afraid. So if you want a career like mine, then for me, it was really important to get that initial degree. And then to, I guess it's important to think about the future career steps that you want to take as well. So, you know, is there a a firm that you'd really like to work for in my industry. I don't know if this is a great thing, but it's really helpful to have one of those big four accounting firms on your CV. They always provide sort of a step up into other roles and it's something that a lot of employers look for. So if that's a possibility for you, I'd recommend trying to get a role at one of those firms. I really loved working there and met a bunch of great people in my role there as well. So I'd recommend getting into that if you can. And other than that, just, you know, start learning and take every opportunity that you can to educate yourself about finance and investing, about business, about how the economy operates. And that can, yeah, be as simple as just reading the business news or listening to podcasts. But it's really just taking a keen interest in this kind of industry. And then if you're interested in this industry, I think opportunities will come to you. I I think I'm a little bit speechless right now. I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up actually that was really great advice so many great gems I'd want to be you when I grow up so oh oh my gosh that's so kind (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much to Erin for coming on the show and for giving us some insight into her experience thus far in the financial world I think we can all take away something from this episode We do also need to finish off with our disclaimer and that is Girls That Invest does not provide personalised investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Till next time team, bye!